Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries, of curiosities, of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. You okay? What's the matter? You seem a little down. Um, no, I've... Fine. Yeah. I just you don't seem fine. (laughs) I don't know exactly how to explain it. I feel like so uh, it's the day after Thanksgiving, and yesterday we had a really nice day. Thanksgiving is always kind of a special holiday for us, and I I don't know. We had we went to the pool, and I got to swim on Thanksgiving, which is the first time I've ever been able to do that. And the water was perfect, and I was feeling very. You know, Thanksgivingy, very grateful, and then I felt kind of like bursty, like I was going to burst out of my own chest. One of those perfect moments, yeah, that one finds oneself in. Yeah, and then we watched ten episodes of Criminal Minds, which <laughs> you know, the holiday season is when I really like to watch crime shows, and I was feeling really good about that. And we went to the dog park, and we had so much fun. And mm. then after the dog park, you you were running down the hallway with Howard, and I just. It was so sweet and I started to cry and I just, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I'm just exhausted from being so happy and (laughs) I don't know, I'm just tired. You're so happy it's making you sad. I'm just tired of it. (laughs) Okay. You want to get into a fight or something? (laughs) Would that help? No, I just need a nap or something, I (laughs) think. All right. I don't know. And I'm also kind of like crossing my fingers that I'm like pre-menopausal. I see. I'm 40 now. I know. I know. Doesn't that mean that... Tick, tick, tick. Right? Right. Yep. (laughs) I wish there was a countdown for that kind of thing. Wouldn't that be great to know? Yes. I mean, if... I'm assuming... If uh, you're a woman and, uh, you know, you have to deal with menstruation, to be able to look at a calendar and go, only four left. Yeah, if there was just like a ticker in my arm or Mm. something where it just would flip down the numbers every time I I (laughs) I would love that okay I'd be like oh yeah only 17 left let's uh let's get working on that folks yeah in the meantime why don't you just kind of relax and settle back and I'll tell you a story okay well it's understood that the word fan 
as in a baseball fan or a football fan, actually is taken from the word fanatic. Right. And the word fanatic is defined as a person filled with excessive and single-minded zeal. Okay. Some fanatics or fans can really take things to an extreme. Truth. Some have been known to do some crazy and dangerous things. For example, Jared Leto... Of 30 Seconds to Mars. ...was doing a radio interview in Britain and uh, confirmed that a fan once cut their ear off and mailed it to him. He said, quote, Someone cut their ear off once and sent it to me. It was very strange. A whole ear. The Van Gogh move. The note just said, Are you listening? Um... Uh, I never knew who it was. Who's missing their ear out there? Now, my question is, what do you do if somebody sends you a severed ear? Mm. Some rando just mails it to you. Jared had an answer. Quote, I poked a hole in it and wore it as a necklace. Sure. And to prove that he actually did, he posted a picture on Instagram. The necklace is, is it's it's cool, but that would have made a badass earring, right? An ear earring. Oh, I see. Yeah. In another less gruesome yet equally bizarre story, it involved a woman named Allie. Allie was in love with Harry Styles. Who isn't? It started with pictures on social media. First, Allie announced her engagement to Harry Styles with a picture of a cardboard cutout of Harry's face and a sign next to it saying, quote, Allie, will you marry me? And then later she posted pictures of an elaborate wedding ceremony Allie standing in the front in a beautiful bridal gown in a church full of people and the cardboard cutout of Harry Styles draped in a tuxedo. Wow. Cardboard Harry had his own groomsmen as well, too. They were cardboard cutouts of the other members of One Direction. Sure. That's weird, but what's even weirder is there was a church full of people watching this uh, this Mm. matrimonial ceremony involving a cardboard cutout of Harry Styles. I'd go. A woman named Linda Reza took a different approach to marrying a celebrity. She was obsessed with Kanye West. Obviously, Kanye was married to Kim Kardashian at the time. So the next best thing for her to do was to go to court and have her name legally changed from Linda Reza to Mrs. Kanye West. First name, Mrs. Mrs. First name was Mrs. Middle name was Kanye. Last name, West. Uh, She said she did this to demonstrate to Kanye how much she loves him. She also had his name tattooed in a couple of spots in her body, but wouldn't reveal the locations. Okay. It's like a reserved parking space or something. Sure. Back in 2011, Jessie J broke her foot. A fan of the singers intentionally broke her foot so they could be, quote, twinsies. (laughs) She even then sent a picture uh, to the singer after somehow getting Jesse J's personal information. Uh, under the picture was a caption, quote, I will do anything to be just like you. Oh, wow. That's fanatical. Mm. Probably one of the weirdest things that a fan has done, though, dates way back to 1842. This involves the fans of a ballet dancer named Marie Taglioni. Now, in the 19th century, she was as famous and beloved in her day as maybe Elvis was, When he was alive, um, she was known not only for her artistry, but her athleticism as well. She was considered the central figure in the history of European dance. She was one of the most celebrated ballerinas of the Romantic Ballet, which was cultivated primarily at Her Majesty's Theatre in London and at the Paris Opera Ballet. She is credited with being the first ballerina to truly dance on point. 
She was legendary and unrivaled. She was tiny, petite, and delicate and had a fan base like nobody else at the time, not just in ballet, but any celebrated person. So how dedicated were some of these fans? Ah, uh, I thought you'd never ask. A group of them in 1842 ate a pair of her dance slippers. Oh. Actually, it was an entire dinner, but the ballet slippers were the main, was, was the main course. Uh, now, if you're like me, you're probably wondering, how does one properly prepare a pair of uh, ballet slippers as an entree? Well, here are the details of probably the craziest dinner that ballerina fanatics ever ate. Now, this is according to a story that was in London's The Morning Post on January 3rd, 1855. A travel writer and commentator named Edward Tracy Turnelli bought the shoes for what would be about $12,000 U.S. today. He purchased them from the owner of a hotel who claimed that Taglioni had stayed there and left her shoes. I guess housekeeping came in and found the shoes. The man didn't have any proof. He just really had a pair of ballet slippers. Got it. But Edward Tracy Turinelli thought, hey, what the hell? So he and 35 of his friends, other fans, pooled their money together and bought these slippers. The article goes on to say that uh, Terminelli claimed that uh, the shoes were prepared as a fricassee, a dish of meat stewed in stock and served in a white sauce. I would think you'd have to stew them for sure. Yeah, just to kind of soften it up a little bit. But instead of meat, they used athletic footwear. And what do you pair a meal like this with? Well, champagne, of course. Obviously. So my question was, could this be real? Could you really eat a pair of ballet slippers? Well, I did a little research and probably not modern point shoes. They contain many layers of glue and fabric to the toe boxes. Yeah. And they're supported by hard cardboard reinforcement. But of course, the shoes that he bought were not modern point shoes. And in those days, uh, in the 19th century, ballerinas danced in leather-soled satin slippers that were bound tightly around their, their feet. 19th century performers would reinforce the, and strengthen the toes with starch and newspaper. Okay. So it would have been a lot easier to eat a 19th century ballet slipper. Medical experts have said that ingesting silk fibers from slippers like that probably would cause extreme lower intestinal discomfort. I would think so. And the most edible part of the ballet slipper would have been the leather sole. That's a lot of money to pay to get celebrity footwear-induced diarrhea. So the question, of course, was were they really eaten? Could they have been eaten? The answer is yes, it's possible. Sure. The bigger question is... Were they really Marie Taglioni's ballet slippers? We cannot say for sure. But don't you love the idea that back in 1842, there was a hotel manager who convinced a guy to buy a pair of used dirty ballet slippers for 12 grand and then eat them? Can you, can you imagine the conversations they had in the office? <laughs> That'd be hilarious. I remember one time uh, I was doing a morning radio show and we had some kind of a Christmas promotion that we were doing. And uh, this guy came, he used to follow us around a lot. You'd see him at different events that we mm -hmm. would do. And he was a kind of a big stocky guy. He wanted to be a, uh, a professional wrestler, but wasn't able to. Sure. So he came up to me and he said, listen, I really, I really want to get you a Christmas present, but I can't afford it. So uh, my Christmas present is to you. If you need anybody beaten up, let me know. Oh, 
Well, that's sweet. I thought, what a beautiful way to celebrate the birth of our Savior (laughs) by having a professional hitman on call. (laughs) Anyway, my information came from Ripley's.com and Wikipedia. Uh, Some of the more strange and unusual things that fans or fanatics have done in the past. Ridiculous. And now, that thing in the middle. person to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge was a professional high diver. He wanted to demonstrate to people that you did not die simply from falling through the air, thus encouraging people to be willing to jump from burning buildings into a net. He proved himself correct by falling 135 feet safely through the air, only dying when he hit the water. This podcast is so fresh out of the oven, we had to use audio oven mitts to upload it. And did you notice they go with my apron? This is the Box of Oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames, and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's a-U-R-A frames.com. Use code oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code oddities at checkout. And you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, If you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? 
I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for the Box of Oddities is provided in part by listeners like you on Patreon. You can support us too. Go to patreon.com slash box of oddities. Thank you. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Hannah sent us an email. Uh, Just listened to episode 384 and the weird boo effects on this one. My twin brother is basically obsessed with records, and he got a hold of an X-ray record from Russia. It says here at a grave sale. Um, I'm I'm guessing maybe that should be... Like an estate sale? A garage sale. I I, I don't know. I looked it up, and and the only thing that I can find on the interwebs uh, for grave sale is actually a site that will allow you to trade and sell cemetery plots oh. <laughs> so I, I don't think it's what she meant to write but we get the idea evidently those are worth a lot and he got it for 10 cents wow as far as the skin binding books in the eighth grade i had a history teacher she loved to collect historical artifacts and old books she had a weird lamp in her room and enough students brought it up we hated the lamp it The principal had to come in with the cops to investigate. It turns out she had a lamp made from human skin (laughs) from concentration camps. Also, several books bound in human skin. Mm. Um, In her defense, she did not know. She was just a lover of old things. She did not get in trouble, just had to remove the items from the classroom and had to get approval from the office before having any other historical items added. Um, That's amazing, Hannah. Wow. We also got a message on Facebook, just listened to the podcast, reminded me of a story my wife told me years ago. Back in the late 80s, she got a hold of a Necronomicon-type book bound in, you guessed it, human skin. Uh, she buried it deep in the woods <laughs> and to this day, never told anyone where. So anyone interested in finding spells to awake the sleeping old one, search the woods of Cecil County, Maryland to find it. That's amazing. Loving the podcast. Keep up the great work. That was from uh, Fred. He wrote that, uh, I think, on your episode post on the Facebooks. Gosh, if I found a Necronomicon buried in the woods, I... Well, I don't think I'd I'd unearth it. No, you just leave it where it, where yep. it is. Yeah, yep. I think that's a wise decision. Thank you. I don't want uh, evil that sounds like a dirt bike coming after me. <laughs> so you feeling happier now? I do. Yeah. Do you, Thank you for asking. <laughs> how about how about a story? Skeckling. Skeckling. Yeah. Okay. So it's two hundred years ago, and you're sitting next to a fire on a cold winter evening in Scotland. 
a group of people would come into your home dressed in straw costumes uh, that make them kind of look like those haystack chocolate pretzel treats that some people make around this time of year, which it, like Chex Mix is better but and probably easier, but that's none of my business. Um, but anyway, then these people won't leave until you've given them stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're saying it's a festive Yuletide extortion scheme, but with highly flammable costumery. Sort of. It was called Skeckling, and the tradition all but died out by the turn of the 20th century. But its history is fascinating. So the Skeckling costume is made of oat straw, and it consists of a skirt, a collar, a conical hat, usually adorned with ribbons. The straw itself would have come from the family's own land and would have represented the last of that year's harvest. All right, and it had to specifically be oat straw. It couldn't be like hay. I, I, th- I feel like it had to be straw. Okay. I wonder if they had like bouncers at the door. You know, I'm sorry, we can't let you in. You're not wearing the proper attire. You need oat straw. Probably not. And, and we'll get into it. Little is known uh, about the origins of the practice of skeckling, but it seems to be a meeting point of Celtic and Norse costume traditions. So in the 18th and to the 15th centuries during the Vikings and North Settler Norse settlers, mainly Norwegians, and to a lesser extent, other Scandinavians and their descendants would colonize part of what is now the periphery of modern Scotland. And skeckling was a pagan custom, and people did this in hopes that their actions, their celebration would bring the sun back from the grip of winter and ensure good crops. James R. Nicholson wrote that the Skecklers went out in addition to remind Shetlanders of the Trows and their tricks. The Trows would have been kind of like like a troll meets a fairy. Okay. And it was kind of a Celtic Scandinavian meeting point of, again, this weird little creature thing. And so the, the Skeckling had multiple purposes Uh, But it was a pretty specific situation. So it usually began on the first Sunday after Winter Day, uh, October 14th. They called it Winter Sunday. And the day marked the beginning of the winter in the Isles. And it would continue until January 24, now marked by the Uphela'a Festival. The Uphela'a Festival is a type of fire festival, which is annually held from January to March in various communities in Shetland, Scotland, and so on, to mark the end of the Yule season. Now, the straw costumes and the fire festival, it seems like a terrible combination, but, you know, to each their own yo. (laughs) Sure, why not? There are very similar yet distinct traditions to this one in other countries. So there's the Whittlesea straw bear of the English Fenlands or the German straw bear, the bear of straw, which also appears only in the winter and early springtime as part of a celebration to mark the end of the agricultural year and the beginning of the next. So um, similar, but still their own thing. 
In this part of the world, Skecklers were usually children between the age of 8 and 15, most likely taking part in the tradition. And this is kind of a an assumption based on, like, again, we don't have a lot of hard evidence mm-hmm. about Skeckling because the evidence that we do have, the written records that we do have of Skeckling are mainly written by visitors to that area who are experiencing Skeckling for the first time, most likely because the people who experienced it every year didn't feel the need to, like, document it. So this was a secondhand Skeckling account. That's right. And the fact that they believe that children were the ones taking part in the Skeckling um, is actually kind of unusual and unique amongst those similar folk traditions that we talked about before, because in those other traditions, it's adult men who Mm. take part in the the winter bear straw man competition (laughs) party. Um, One interpretation of this is that the community might have realized that Skeckling was going out of favor and might have made kids become involved in it to try to keep the tradition going. Oh, oh, I see. And more effectively pass it on to future generations. Because the OG Skecklers were dying out. That's right, as they tend to do. So this group of Skecklers would rove the island streets in a very large and strange looking group, and they would go Husamilia, which means house to house, and they would be led by a scuddler. And within the troop, there would be specific characters. Another of the main characters is known as the Grolek, who's a type of fearsome boogeyman type character. Now, all of the characters uh, would gather around the fire, which would normally be in the center of the room, uh, to dance. In straw. In straw. Mm-hmm. Dr. Lane Tate, who's the curator at the Shetland Museum and Archives, in an interview with the Scotsman, said the Skecklers would carry wooden staves, which they would wrap on the floor. It was very ritualistic. So you can imagine it's dark, it's cold, and these eerily dressed young people come into your home and they're dancing around the fire, banging their sticks on the ground. And yeah, one record from a visitor to Shetland in the 1850s described the ritual thus. The kitchen was full of beings whose appearance being so unearthly shook the gravity of my muscles and forced a cold sweat to ooze from every pore in my body. That's poetic. It also gives you a sense that this wasn't just like a ha-ha tradition. It was like, yeah, this is creepy. Mm, Give us your stuff. Yeah. Basically, the Skecklers would perform acts and skits for the household in return for a corn a meal, a penny a money, or a piece of flesh. What? A handful of grain, penny of money, or a piece of meat. Traditionally... They would carry a sheepskin bag called a buggy that was used to hold grain, and that would be passed around and food would be dropped in. But what they really wanted was that cooked meat. And it was very important to never deny a Skeckler entrance to your home. A suggested reason for this might be that they were an old god in disguise, and they were testing your hospitality, 
Kind of like oh. the witch in Beauty and the Beast mm. um, with the rose. And she was all like, could you let me stay here for the night? And he was like, ha ha, you're old and ugly and I'm not going to let you stay in my palace. And then she was like, and became the, and then the rose with the petals. Right. And then, yeah. you know, tale is old as time. And <laughs> you know how it goes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, scattlers would obscure their faces with handkerchiefs attached to their straw hats. So obviously already they've got this creepy garb on and then you couldn't see who they were. And they also, you weren't allowed to speak normally. They weren't allowed to sing normally because you were not supposed to know who they were. They had to keep their disguises going until someone in the household could guess who was beneath the costume. Okay. So you had to keep giving them pieces of flesh or cornmeal or something until somebody would recognize one of the Skecklers. That's right. Or one of them burst into flame. Something like that. And they had to stamp out a prepubescent Skeckler. And one of the ways, as I said, they didn't speak normally, that they disguised themselves was by reverse speaking. So they would talk or sing in an inhaled breath rather than an exhaled breath. Oh, okay. To further disguise their identity and also to make it even creepier. That's pretty creepy. Tale is old as time. I'm going to leave if you do that again. And I don't mean the room. I mean this relationship (laughs) entirely. That was creepy. Right? Yeah. Super creepy. And um, as I said, you had to give them food. You couldn't say no to them. They had to come in. They would do their their weird dance thing. And you had to give them something. And then you had to guess who they were. I don't know if you weren't able to guess who they were. I don't know if they would just like stay or... Start giving hints. Eventually. Because they want to (laughs) leave. Bill, it's me. Come on. Um, But... uh, And then they would tootle off to the next house and and do the same thing over and over again uh, in in hopes uh, to have the gods bless their harvest next year. (laughs) They have a sack full of meat by the end of the evening. Yeah. I mean, which is everyone's goal. So that's Skeckling. There are no photos of actual Skeckling taking place, but there is one photo from 1909 of a classroom of children dressed in Skeckling garb and they don't know if they don't know for sure if they were Skecklers or if they were dressed as Skecklers they could have been imposter Skecklers they could have been um yeah it could have been like a you know town heritage day where they dressed as Skecklers because like remember when Skeckling right that was huge Um, but uh, it's super creepy, and there have been uh, people who have researched Skeckling who have taken it upon themselves to, like, recreate what the look was, and it is unsettling at best. Because I picture kind of like scarecrows. Do they look like demonic scarecrows? No. <laughs> Here, I'll show you a picture. There's a few examples of what they think it would have looked like. Zooming in. Yeah, how would how could they couldn't legally wear that now because of the the fire hazard flammability of that? <laughs> it seriously, they look like uh, walking haystacks, very scary walking haystacks. 
The only difference is that their faces would have been obscured. And sometimes, because like they have got those pointy hats, sometimes the hats would have multiple pointy tops Mm -hmm. facing in different directions. And then they would have ribbons hanging from all the directions of pointy tops. And so it would, yeah, it was a, it was a look. It was a look. Not a good one, but a look. I mean, yeah. Oh my God. She's got a third eye drawn on her forehead. That's okay. Yeah. That's weird. Skackling. I'm really glad that some people are learning so much about this and trying to bring back, if not the tradition of it, the knowledge of it. Yeah. I'm good with the knowledge. That's, (laughs) that's enough for me. Well, we've got plans to go to Scotland. Uh, coming up so not not during skeckling season (laughs) no not during skeckling season (laughs) maybe i'll get you a skeckling kit for the holidays Mm, i think i'm good a little straw outfit no thank you a little skeckler bag for your (laughs) for your meat well that's right christmas fridays are coming up (laughs) that's right so that's a tradition we have here where uh every friday between thanksgiving and christmas cat gets a little gift yeah and sometimes she gets me one sometimes not yeah, often not often though no no it, really it was born out of the uh lack of self-control on my part yep i will get her something and then i can't wait to give it to her yeah. so i just give it to her well yeah. how many of your christmas presents have you opened so far four yeah right she she makes me open mine early as well too really early like october-ish <laughs> so i'm the worst yeah If you're looking for gift ideas, check out our merch store. Yeah, we've got a bunch of t-shirt designs that we think that you'll like. And they've got so many sales running up until Christmas. But the earlier uh, you order, the better because, you know, shipping and all that business. TheBoxOfOddities.com. Click on the merch link and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. 
on Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.